Sometimes rough things happen. We have people in our body right now going through rough things in their physical bodies and their financial lives and things like that. Being a Christian is not an antidote to dealing with rough things. I'll tell you what it is an antidote though to, hell, which is pretty important. Paul was in trouble once again, and in Acts 24, we saw his trial before Felix the governor. And today, Pastor David is going to show us some important truth from all of this. We'll focus on verse 24 and 25, and here's Pastor David. I want to I think about something that very much stuck out to me in this section of Scripture. It's this interaction between Paul and Felix and his wife. Okay, Let's read verses 24 and 25 again really quick. It says this. And after some days when Felix with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Let's break this down for a second. As Paul regularly does, as we've seen consistently in his ministry, he preaches the gospel to Felix. He preaches the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he rose again on the third day, that we can have redemption and grace and peace in him, that we can be made right with God, okay? But what was involved specifically in Paul's preaching to Felix here? Okay, first it says Paul reasoned with Felix, okay? There's no suggestion here that Paul asked Felix to believe in blind faith anything. That he told him a story, he said, you need to believe this in blind faith, that's what I do, and so on. He reasoned with him. And what did he reason with him about? He reasoned with him about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Now, now righteousness and judgment go hand in hand here, okay? They go hand in hand. Righteousness is, is a standard, so that we're clear on what this means. Righteousness is a standard. And it can be used in more than one way. It can be used for an action, or a set of actions to say, oh, that was a righteous thing that you did. And, and generally, if that's true, that means that you did a righteous action in a righteous way with a righteous frame of mind. Not an easy thing for most of us humans to do, to hit all three of those. Okay, normally righteousness is something that's going to be, that the real righteousness, perfect righteousness is something that only God has. Only that God has, right? So we can talk about somebody did something righteous, but generally to call somebody truly righteous or perfectly righteous would not be something we would normally do, okay? Um, we might talk about righteous actions, but rarely about righteous people. Now, the only way to be perfectly righteous, perfectly righteous, is to have every thought and every action be perfectly righteous, it's the only way you can be perfectly righteous. And that means that everything, every action, and every thought that you ever have has to be perfect towards God and other people. Loving God perfectly, loving your neighbor perfectly. All the time. That would be righteousness, okay? That would be righteousness. And here's where judgment comes in. Righteousness and the judgment to come. God is righteous. God is righteous. And he cannot be in relationship with anyone who is not righteous, because God is righteous, he must judge on righteousness. He must. If God does not judge on righteousness, he would no longer be righteous. If he's righteous, he has to judge on righteousness, right? 
He has no choice about that. So when Paul reasons with Felix about righteousness and the judgment to come, Paul is explaining that God is righteous and the only way to avoid condemnation and judgment from God is to be perfectly righteous. If a person believes in God and the evidence does justify belief, this is what he's he's reasoning with Felix, if a person believes in God and the evidence is there that God does exist, then they must understand that God is righteous. Okay, that would be point one. Because if God were not righteous, his character, if his character weren't perfect and righteous, he couldn't be the anchor and grounding of morality, right? Couldn't be the anchor and grounding of morality if he wasn't righteous. So you see, they had all these Roman and Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes and Mars and, I don't know, other candy bar names and stuff like that. They, they had all these people, okay, out there. But the problem was that they weren't righteous at all. In fact, they acted worse than most humans. If you read the stories, the mythologies, and so on, they could not have been the source for morality. But yet there was morality. And yet most of these people did believe in a God. And so as Paul's reasoning with Felix, he's saying, if you believe in a God, and let me show you the evidence for why there's a God. Let me talk about Jesus rising from the dead and so on. If you believe that, then you must know that he's righteous because if he wasn't righteous, there would be no such thing as morality. But there is such a thing as morality, so he must be perfectly righteous. But if he's perfectly righteous... He must judge unrighteousness, or he would stop being perfectly righteous because a perfectly righteous God would judge unrighteousness. My dad, if he had not punished me when I did that thing I did in sixth grade, he wouldn't have been righteous. He needed to do what needed to be done there. He would have actually been making a mistake. In fact, it was part of his character to properly punish me, and I didn't like it at the time. We rarely do, but that doesn't mean that righteousness doesn't demand Justice, judgment, okay? So, we have Felix, who is a judge. We just saw him judging. This is part of what he regularly does. So he's not having a hard time understanding God as a judge. And he's not having a hard time understanding that a moral, a righteous judge has to judge unrighteous. And even though we know he's not a righteous judge, he's looking for a bribe, his view of justice is obviously skewed, but he understands that the object of judgment is supposed to be justice. And of course, a righteous God must bring perfect, righteous judgment. And here's the problem that every honest person, every honest person eventually realizes this, okay? If you're honest with yourself, this is the problem that you run into. No one is righteous. No one. Here's what the scripture says in Romans. This is Romans 3, 9, the end of that verse through 12. Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And then Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who's accepted out of this? Nobody. None of us. Jesus is the only one who doesn't fall into this category. Every single human being who has ever lived on this planet has sinned, has rebelled against God, is unrighteous, has done unrighteous things. Now for Felix, as Paul reasons through this, his response is to be frightened. Because he knows judgment is coming, and he knows he's not righteous. So he's scared. Because Felix, as a governor, knows the proper punishment 
for unrighteousness. This guy is, is condemning people to death all the time for their sins, for their, for their crimes, and so on. And, and he understands what Romans 6.23 tells us, that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He understands that the wages of sin are death. And here's the deal. For all of us, it should be frightening also, unless we follow Christ. It should be frightening for us unless we follow Christ because it's through the gift of God that we can avoid judgment, punishment, eternal death. It is by the grace of Christ that we are made righteous. Not because we are righteous in ourselves. I just told you no one is. Not because we're righteous in ourselves, or that we could ever be righteous, that you could ever do enough good things. You could never buy righteousness and you will never be righteous except that we are made right with God. And we are seen by God, our perfect God, as righteous. And why is that? If we follow Christ, we're seen as righteous. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, we might become the righteousness of God in him. God is looking past your unrighteousness. He doesn't see it. When he looks at you, he only sees the righteousness of God that you have through Jesus Christ if you follow him and accept him. But if you don't have it, guess what he sees? Your unrighteousness. So when the resurrection of the just and the unjust happens, remember, there are no just except those who have been justified by Christ. Those without him, those who refuse him, those who rebel against him should be afraid, as Felix is here. His response, interestingly, is not, I'm going to come to the Lord right now. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. His response is fear, the response of the one who knows that judgment is coming, but refuses to accept Christ and to live for him as Lord. Their response is fear and get away. I don't want to talk to you right now. Let me, let me have to think about this later. Let me go back to my own thing and do my own thing. I'll think about this later. I want to think about judgment and condemnation right now. And this helps me understand in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to people and he says this in Matthew uh, 5, 5, 5, 6, something like that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now here's the thing. When he's saying that to these people, they know they have this. They know the law. They know they can't be filled with righteousness. No matter how much they hunger and thirst for it, they can't be filled with righteousness. It's not possible. But it was Jesus who was saying that they shall be filled, and it was Jesus who was going to provide the way, the only way that any human could ever be filled with righteousness and avoid judgment, and that was through his death and resurrection. Of course, he knew he would do that. He knew he would provide a way for us to have righteousness, not our own but his. Not our own, but his. If it wasn't Jesus saying that, if it wasn't his Sermon on the Mount, it wouldn't have made any sense. He was the only one who could ever put us in a position to be filled with righteousness. And we need to ask ourselves, do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? There's nothing quite like the forgiveness that comes from Christ and feeling that feeling where your guilt and your shame go away. And and you're sitting in in God's righteousness. There's nothing quite as amazing as that feeling. That's a feeling we're going to have for eternity if we're Christ followers. For us, righteousness is not only a possibility for us. Avoiding judgment is not only a possibility for us. It's a promise 
if we'll follow Christ. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will forgive us and make us righteous with his righteousness. This is such a significant truth. I mean, we could sit here and should sit here, not only this morning, but the entire rest of not only our lives, but eternity, contemplating the amazing miracle that would allow someone like me to have imputed to them the perfect righteousness of God. That's unthinkable. That's a miracle beyond anything I can imagine because I am not righteous, but in Christ I am. And so are you if you follow him. And with his righteousness, we have his Holy Spirit. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit is where the conviction of our own unrighteousness comes. And the conviction that the judgment is coming. And in John 16, 7 through 8, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So what was happening with Felix. The Holy Spirit's coming and convicting sin, righteousness, the judgment to come, and he's afraid. Instead of pressing into Christ, he pushes him away. And it's that same Holy Spirit that gives us the power to walk in righteousness. And that's where self-control that Paul mentions comes in. Unfortunately, as I was preparing the sermon today, I realized when I got to self-control that that was its own sermon. So that's hopefully, Lord willing, next week. This week we're just going to talk about righteousness and the judgment to come because we don't have time to get into self-control. But Felix was afraid of the coming judgment, but his actions were not the ones that he should have taken, but they're the ones that so many of us take. And maybe some of you who are Christ followers spent a certain amount of time pushing it away until you finally came and accepted it. Here's the thing. People don't like talking about hell judgment, condemnation. I don't like it either. I know we don't like to talk about it, but here's the thing. To avoid this topic is to show that we don't love people enough to tell them the truth. There is the judgment to come. There is. It's a fact. Some people will say that judgment's not fair. God would never judge us for our sins because he's just all love. He's just all love. He's just all grace. He's not going to judge anybody. Everyone's going to be okay. But that's unreasonable. It does not make any sense. As Paul's reasoning with Felix, he's saying, listen, God is righteous. Because he's righteous, judgment must come. It's necessary that it must. God doesn't have the ability to change the nature of logic, in this case, that that flows from his character, in order to not have judgment come when it must come, or he would not be righteous. One person on Facebook said he thought it was funny that we believed that there was a hell. And I think to myself, man, I can't think of anything less funny. There's not anything less funny than the fact that there's a hell. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, okay, pastor, are you going to sit here and talk about hell all the time now? Because that's kind of a downer. And here's my answer to you. If that is what we need, if we need to study hell and judgment in order to be motivated to preach the good news and see people go from death to life, then yes, I'm going to talk about hell and judgment. We cannot avoid the reality of what Jesus is calling us to, okay? As, As disciples, he's calling us to a better life in him, no question. 
amazing life in him, right? Relationship and friends and the body of Christ and, and, the, and being able to use our gifts and being able to live in him and in righteousness and so on. But he's not just calling us to all that. He's also calling us away from judgment, wrath that's coming. Coming to Christ is about more than just the good stuff. I know that we want to say, let's just talk about the good. Let's just talk about how good it is to be a believer. But guess what? It's not always good. Sometimes rough things happen. We have people in our body right now going through rough things in their physical bodies and their financial lives and things like that. Being a Christian is not an antidote to dealing with rough things. I'll tell you what it is an antidote, though, to hell, which is pretty important. That's an eternal rough thing. So while I believe that following Christ is amazing and it's amazing life, and I'll never stop saying that no matter what happens to me, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe it's amazing to be his child. I also want people to understand that part of why we come to Christ is because it's a way to have his righteousness and to avoid the judgment to come because it's coming. It's coming. Any gospel message that avoids the subject of judgment, of hell, avoids one of the main reasons why Christ has called us to preach the gospel, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded. you got to tell them the whole thing. Don't sell Christianity. Don't sell Christianity as something that's going to make people happy all the time. They're just going to be upset with you. It doesn't make them happy all the time. You've got to preach the truth and the reality of righteousness and the judgment to come. The gospel means good news. What is the good news? Not just that you get to live a great life in Christ, but that Jesus has provided the way for us to be right with God and avoid the judgment to come. We have a very judgment-averse society. People don't want to hear about judgment. There's nothing new about that. Governor Felix here, 2,000 years ago, didn't want to hear about it either. I don't like to think about it, okay? But please don't let yourself fall into a sense that we don't need to be vigilant, that we don't need to continue to evangelize our neighbors. Please don't lose focus on the fact that there are some people who are going to hell in your life and that you have been called in the authority of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples. You may not like judgment. You may not like the doctrine. I don't like it either. Here's what C.S. Lewis says about those who struggle with the doctrine of hell. He says this, In the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? Okay. So if you're saying, I don't like judgment, I don't like condemnation, I don't think God should do that, here's the question. What are you asking God to do? To wipe out their past sins? And at all costs to give them a fresh start, smoothing every difficulty and offering every miraculous help. But he has done so on Calvary. To forgive them, they will not be forgiven. To leave them alone, alas, I'm afraid that is what he does. It's not like God has made this coming judgment and not done everything, risked everything, done everything to give us a way out. He came and became a human being, the God of the universe that created all those stars that you see, came and made himself a human being and died. Let human beings, his own creation, kill him. But he rose again. And all of that was for you to be able to avoid the judgment. So he is, while he has to provide the judgment because it's consistent with his character, the love and mercy that's consistent with his character caused him 
to love you so much to also provide a way out. So don't complain about the fact that there's a hell. Don't, don't judge God like you know better than him about whether there should be a hell or whether there should be a judgment. Let me just tell you, it's a demand of righteousness that there's a judgment. How about be happy? How about be joyful? How about be ecstatic that he's provided a way where you don't have to have it, where you can have his righteousness? How about live in that? How about tell your friends about that? How about tell your family about that? How about tell everyone you know about that so they can also avoid the judgment to come? Because right now in their life, probably what they're doing is like Felix. Come back to me later. I'll talk to you about it later. I don't want to think about it. I want to think about judgment. I want to think about condemnation. I want to think about hell. And I don't blame them. But we better start realizing it and thinking about it. If we're going to give the full scripture, the full gospel, this is part of it. We need to reason with people about the fact that God has done everything for us to keep us from judgment. And all it takes is to believe in Jesus Christ and make him Lord of our lives. When you be thinking this week, as we go through our day, about the fact that there is a judgment to come and what that means for the people around us and what we're called to do. And we need to be praying and we need to be preaching the gospel, the incredible good news of righteousness that can be imputed to you, of redemption from this judgment of perfection in Jesus Christ. So how about you? Are you ready for what's coming? Please don't live another second without letting the love of Jesus transform your life. Right now, wherever you are or whatever you're doing, tell Jesus that you believe he's the Son of God, that he died and rose again for you, and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And you know what? He will. And then let us know, won't you? We'd love to help you get started in your new life in Christ. Call us at 360-885-9000. It's no trick, no gimmick. We don't want your money or your info to sell. We just want you to be saved. That number again, 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out our next episode for more great Bible teaching here on Contemplate.